The National Basketball Association has some of the greatest athletes in the world that have played in it. Some of the greatest moments in sports history. And we have an author that's wrote a book called NBA 75, The Definitive History. Dave Zaram is his name. And he joins us in a moment to talk about the greatest 75 players and moments in NBA history. Coming up in just a moment. Hi, my name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports as well as football by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform. The Sports Jersey Dispatch. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my sports history friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to all things great in sports history. And welcome to another episode of our Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We're going to talk about some great basketball history today, in particular, the NBA history. And a little bit before that, uh, we have an author that's wrote a book recently called NBA 75, The Definitive History. His name is Dave Zaram, and he goes through Firefly Books, uh, the publishing company, and they were nice enough to send us a copy of the book we read it really loved it and glad to have dave on today uh dave zaram welcome to the pig pen hey great to be here dave uh, you know exciting book uh we'll get to it in a little bit uh really excited after reading this you really got me pumped up about the nba season again you know i was already excited watching it and uh re-energize me here a little bit but i guess before we get started you have an interesting background and uh, maybe you could share that uh, you know especially your interest in basketball and your connection to basketball to make you write a book about it sure yeah by all means well you know i grew up a a huge uh a huge sports fan you know like like a lot of kids and a huge basketball fan um particularly though at some point you know i was really always drawn to the history of the game you know any documentary that came by any little video I can grab from a bin in, in, a, in a video store, those compilation videos, like anything I can get my hands on about the history of the game. I just always gravitated towards that. And, uh, you know, fortunate enough, I was able to be part of the launch of, of a publication called Sportsnet Magazine, kind of like a Sports Illustrated in Canada. Um, this is about uh, halfway through the 2000s. And, um, and, and, and yeah, and from there, I was able to look at the opportunity to cover the game up close. So I covered uh, the Toronto Raptors uh, mostly for, for years and, uh, and the NBA as a whole for for sports now, which is kind of like a like almost like a like an ESPN kind of a national sports uh, broadcaster up here in Canada, um, here in Toronto, Canada. So yeah, so just covering the Raptors, I was able to kind of uh, uh, as much as I was covering the day to day, I was still always drawn to the history of the game. Anytime I had a chance to speak to a coach or a former player, you know, I wasn't really asking about like the game that night. I was always asking about stories from back in the day because that's all I really was uh, was interested in. So when the opportunity came came uh, came by to to write this book, NBA seventy five, you know, it was uh, yeah, I jumped at it to, uh, to say the least. Uh, Firefly, who you mentioned earlier, they had put out a similar book uh, about the NHL called NHL 100, marking the 100th anniversary. And we're going to do a similar project for for to mark the NBA's 75th anniversary a couple years back. Uh, and, and this was the result of that. You know, it's 75 stories across 75 years of NBA history. Um, and what's cool about it too is we were able to update it. Uh, there's a there's a new version of it, so we were able to to put stuff like the bubble, you know, as, as the history of the game keeps evolving, uh, we were able to, to include some of that in the book, like the bubble, um, able to go and add uh, chapters about Giannis and, and the, the global superstars that took over the game. So it's almost like this kind of evolving uh, project, just, just like the league itself. 
I, I really enjoyed the way you started off with, uh, you know, especially talking about Jerry West, you know, the, the guy that's on the, <laughs> that's the right, emblem yeah. of the NBA. Uh, the just, logo. Uh, and yeah, the logo. And you, you had a sort of a, a little bit of a personal connection, it sounded like, with him. But you wrote in a book. You got to, got to talk to him. Well, yeah, it was really cool. Like, so like I mentioned, like a, a great part of uh, covering the game was being able to uh, speak to these legends and be up close and personal with a lot of the, these kind of icons of the game. Um, and, 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 you know, Jerry West, I mean, he's right at the top um, amongst them uh, for, for countless reasons. Like you mentioned he's a logo. Uh, he's a former MVP. He's just, uh, just a, an absolute Titan uh, when it comes to the history of the game. Uh, and I was really um, fascinated by Jerry West long before I ever had the chance to speak to him. Uh, his story itself is just, is, is really powerful. Um, essentially he was, he was one, we remember him as one of these great, these iconic players, one of the greatest of all time, but to him, you know, he lived a tormented life in basketball. Uh, he made it to, to uh, countless finals and lost every single one of them. Uh, he, he captured it eventually uh, in, in 71 with the Lakers, but it took years and years and years and years and years of losing uh, that they really played a, played a toll on him. Uh, so I always found his relationship to the game uh, really fascinating. Uh, anyways, fast forward to, to somewhere around, I don't know, 2012. Uh, I, I was assigned something for, for uh, the publication I was working for, uh, some sort of story that, that required, uh, you know, reach out to Jerry West, see if you can get an interview. Uh, so I did. He was with the Golden State Warriors at the time uh, as an advisor. You know, he played a huge front office role uh, for a lot of teams in the NBA since he retired, like with the Lakers. You know, Jerry West is the guy who who is considered the architect of, of the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. You know, he played a, a, a huge role in putting those Steph Curry Warrior teams together. So this guy who he, long after he retired was still uh, making his mark on, on winning basketball. Uh, anyway, put in a request to talk to him. You know, you know how these things go. It's really hit or miss uh, when, when you're going through like official team channels and, and whatnot. And uh, and I kind of nothing came of it. I sort of forgot about it. A couple months later, I'm just about to leave uh, my office. It's the week, it's a Friday, um, Friday afternoon. Phone rings. It's like 4:30 p.m. on a Friday. I'm kind of just like itching to get out of there. Uh, phone rings and it's hi, Dave. This is Jerry West. I just sort of like had to do a, a double take. Uh, I was like, oh, pick hey, it, pick I'm it off the floor a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, or it's like, is this a prank call? Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't remember for the life of me what I was like, what the initial interview was supposed to be about. Like my initial, like seeking uh, to speak to, to, to Wes, I forget what the assignment was all about. And I ended up just asking him things I was curious about over his, over the course of his career. I wanted to know about his relationship with Elgin Baylor. I wanted to know about playing with Wilt, what Wilt was, Wilt Chamberlain was like in person. Uh, I wanted to know about kind of the, the dynamic between his Lakers teams and, and the Bill Russell Celtics teams. I wanted to know about like his upbringing and how he became so, kind of like uh, maniacally almost like to the point where, where it was sad, obsessed with the game of basketball. Um, uh, and, and like to my delight, I mean, the guy was, he was a complete open book and it was like an hour later, he's just sharing all these stories going really, really in depth on, on, on everything. Um, and it's sort of all, all it does reinforce to me, like how, how a, how like important it is to preserve these stories and to make sure, uh, you know, they're documented somewhere where people can find them. And also just like, I also remember thinking, you know, I'm speaking of one guy uh, and there's there's dozens, hundreds of characters, people just like him across the history of the league. And they all have their own stories and how, and how rich this kind of pool of history was for the NBA. So that was a real it was a real pivotal moment, certainly when it comes to something like this book. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I sort of when I first got the book, I'm I'm looking at the title NBA '75. I'm like, okay, you know, talk about you know the, the 75 best players in the NBA, or maybe you know 75 years of high events of it. You know, I wasn't sure where you're going to go looking at the mm-hmm. book, but you know, I was pleasantly surprised you sort of went both ways. And I mean, starting, I mean, I, I enjoyed. A, I think it was right there in the beginning too, maybe in the Jerry West piece, or maybe before that, uh, talking about the years before the merger and where, how the league was developed and the grassroots of it. And I found that extremely interesting too. I was glad, glad you put that in there. Yeah. It was really cool to like, to trace the the roots of the game back all the way to the beginning um, and, and to see how the league evolved. Uh, that was one thing I was definitely really conscious of, you know, we're, we're in, in essence, like the exercise is telling like 75 individual stories. Uh, but it was really important to me that there was some sort of through line uh, between them all. And I think uh, that through line is just the way that uh, the way that not only the game evolved, but like the characters and the people who shaped the league, how, how their role in society evolved. You know, the NBA in its early days went from very like utilitarian blue collar. Uh, these guys worked summer jobs and, and whatnot. And, were, and they didn't have uh, like basic workers rights, uh, um, uh, you know, like blatant racism and prejudice, uh, well documented uh, across well, really across the, the history of the NBA. Um, which is another through line I wanted to make sure it was clear was that um, this is a league that, that has really um, been at the face of kind of uh, social justice and, and, and the human rights conversation since the beginning. Uh, but as well, the, the evolution of it and the way these guys went from nothing to something, you know, these billion dollar enterprises, essentially, and how that played out over the course of the last uh, 75 years. Yeah, it really was. It was really a, a snapshot in uh, you know North American history too. Like you, you said, you went through you know civil rights and everything, uh, especially you know mm-hmm. the, the the Bob Cousy story, and then you brought him into the Bill Russell story and sort of uh, how right. how that, that was navigated through. You know, Cousy. I, I think you had the one spot where. Uh, Russell wasn't allowed to eat dinner with the team in a particular city and Kuzi ended up taking a meal back to his room and eating it with, with them. And there's just some great little pieces. So many stories like that. Yeah. So many stories like that. Extremely interesting. I really found that uh, great. And I, I didn't get a chance to watch Bill Russell play much. I was a little young when he played, but uh, really enjoyed the story of it, you know, and especially, you know, I knew him as a broadcaster, never knew <laughs> a little bit of the legacy, but I, I thank you for that too. And, you know, I was most interested because I saw, you know, the cover, you have five players on there. Uh, you have Kobe, you have Bird, you have MJ, LeBron and, and Magic. And three of those are from what I, I think is just like the most magical time in NBA history. I think those mid to late 80s teams. And you talk quite a bit about that. And I was really excited about that, uh, you know, especially, you know, the dream team and the Celtics Lakers matchups, right. so those eras. And, uh, you know, so. Maybe- well, I mean, like, I mean, that's that's the that's that's when the game became the game. And in, in a lot of ways, uh, as far as it's as far as we know it today. You know, uh, uh, the league going from, uh, you know, basketball being somewhat niche, definitely not a, a predominant sport, uh, you know, as great as uh, uh, people like Bill Russell were, Will Chamberlain, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, like the Oscar Robertson, these these incredible, incredible figures. Um, like uh, the NBA basketball was never a, a massive industry, so to speak, um, you know, while they were playing. And it's really magic and bird. That's when that's when you saw that that change really happen. You know, Magic Johnson arrives in, in the NBA uh, 1980, like right after the infamous uh, 
uh, Seattle Supersonics Washington Bullets finals that were shown on tape delay. Like that's how little uh, the kind of greater American public cared about NBA basketball. And then and then Magic and, and Larry come along. Uh, this rivalry that had existed, uh, you know, in college for a little bit uh, transfers over into the NBA. They start, you know, facing each other in the finals year after year. Uh, and it's and it's it was just something for the public to to kind of glom onto. And the NBA, to their credit, uh, especially under uh, David Stern, did a great job of marketing that and and taking advantage of that. You know, I always love the analogy that uh, Stern apparently uh, used to like to use in, in terms of uh, the way he marketed the league is that uh, it was kind of like a Walt Disney operation. You know, Michael Jordan was was Mickey Mouse, and and Magic was Goofy, and and so on and so and so forth. Um, but I also really hope that it came across in in the book that. Uh, that as much as Magic and Larry really helped change the tide of of, of uh, NBA basketball and and grow the game in in, in huge ways, uh, when when Michael Jordan came along uh, and when he was entering his prime, when he started doing his thing, I mean, it just took the whole operation to a complete uh, another stratosphere. So so I mean, they're they're in the same era and they're peers and and they're always like grouped together uh, for good reason. But I but I always hope to make a distinction that that even among that class, Michael was was kind of a leaps and bounds above yeah you know you uh you sort of saddened my heart and ha i had a what if moment you know i'm live in pennsylvania so the only team in pennsylvania is 76ers i've been a 76ers fan all my life and i'm sitting there reading that part you know dr j who i i loved watching as a player oh uh, my god dr j coolest guy on the face of the earth still to this day i'll tell you my uh, meeting dr j story after sorry Okay. Okay. It, yeah. He, but you had that with the MJ getting drafted and you, I think you put a little mm. blurb in there, which I didn't know that the, the 76ers offered to trade uh, Dr. J for the, the third pick to, to try to get uh, Michael Jordan. I'm sitting there thinking, God, the mm -hmm. what if mm -hmm. could have happened there as sad as I would have been seeing Dr. J leave, you know, knowing what I know now about Michael Jordan. Oh my God. You know, oh, <laughs> man, yeah. Bitter pill, but quickly, you know, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes medicine doesn't taste good. Yeah, that that would have been something. So okay, yeah. Please tell us about Doctor J. I love your Doctor J. Oh right, right. Okay, so Philly guys, sorry to have to do this to you, but I was at a uh, uh, a Joe Carter charity event. Um, you know, Joe Carter up here in Toronto, hero mm -hmm. for for what happened in '93. Um, again, like I said, I hate to have to bring it up, but I feel obliged to. Um, <laughs> so so Joe Carter, Toronto sports hero, he holds this holds this annual charity event. Uh, up at the former Sky Dome here, and I used to cover it every now and then. And I was there one year, and uh, there's huge, huge stars there. It's uh, like, a, like Bo Jackson's there, uh, like Kenny Lofton, maybe Barry Sanders. I remember Jonathan Ogden <laughs> uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a, a bunch of big names in sports. And then Dr. J walks through the door. He's like by himself. He's like got a little backpack on. And I swear the entire room just froze every head turned towards him everybody even in this room full of stars like dr j walked in the door and all these he saw all these like uh all these sports legends they all just turned into kids again uh and, and it was so cool to see i remember everyone was frozen and i just i saw everyone like kind of stuck and i just like went up to him and i was like hey and we ended up having a huge chat we talked about the aba for for about like 15 minutes uh at this random joe carter event uh and then i was there again the next year same thing he returned and we just kind of picked up the conversation and uh uh, yeah, my impression was just was just like this guy is the epitome of cool still to this day. He must have been 65 or something like that. Is is uh, I'll never forget it.
Yeah, there's an interesting story about him here. You know, I live in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we have a couple of Division II colleges here in the area, and one of them is Gannon University. And, uh, you know, we've, they've had some good teams over the years, and they had they played the, the University of Massachusetts, I guess. They, the University of Massachusetts came to play a Christmas tournament or something mm-hmm. here, and Dr. Dr. J was on the team. And, you know, back in those days, you know, the warm-ups, people just did layups. Right, well, Dr. Yeah. J would come out and, you know, leap from the the foul line I guess, and <laughs> the whole routine dunk, yeah. that was his that was his layup <laughs> move and everybody was in awe like oh my god who is this guy you know the the big fro and everything he had back in the day before the aba but a uh, very interesting guy and fun so to- cool yeah yeah exactly and and i'm sure that everyone who saw that though they won't forget that and so it's and he had that impact you can imagine every game he played every warm-up line he was ever in people would go home and they tell their kids about it yeah it's just uh Fascinating. But you have, you talk about more uh, of those guys before, besides MJ, uh, you talk about really going to some great detail on almost the whole dream team of that mm. uh, thing. You know, the, the piece that you had on Elijah one, uh, I mean, it was probably one of the longer pieces you had in the book, but it was so fascinating. I was captivated by it because, you know, like I said, I, I'm a 76ers fan, but by that time, you know, when, when Houston was on the rise at that time, and I, I loved watching, you know, five slam a jam and March madness. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I was, and especially the, against uh, they played uh, NC Wolfpack, I think, and lost that, that year on that right, last second right. shot, but the, uh, you know, Drexler and all them, it was fun to watch, but you know, Robert Horry and Elijah Wan. And, you know, and you just wanted to see him being a seven or sixers fan. I didn't want the Lakers or the Celtics to, to be, <laughs> so it was fun to see somebody else rise up. Right, and, right. and, uh, you know, and, and the bulls were settled down a little bit when MJ was out, but, uh, just, uh, you know, your piece on Elijah one, I'd never realized that Moses Malone had, uh, had been such an influential, uh, person in his life of basketball. Yeah, really kind of took him under his wing in, in, a, in a very like in a legitimate way and, and kind of molded him into the player he became in, in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I think the Hakeem chapter might have been the longest one. Yeah, that's a good eye. But I think uh, uh, what I really wanted to get across there was just how good he was. I mean, I'm a, I was born in the 80s. I'm a uh, sort of, I guess, child of the 90s. So when he was uh, in his prime with those Rockets teams, you know, that that was, you know, I was a kid kind of fascinated by it all. And he was definitely one of the giants of the game at the time. Uh and yeah, he just has a really interesting history, you know, being, uh, and it was, you know, now that I think about it, you know, his story is kind of what we see being replicated. We see it, it's a lot more common today. You know, you think of someone like Joel Embiid or even like Jokic, like a lot of these European players, um, the players coming from Africa, Pascal Siakam, uh, mm-hmm. where basketball is not their first sport, where they're pretty late to the game in a lot of cases, but have all these like transferable skills from other sports on top of obviously like crazy, uh, uh, athletic ability and, and, and uh, you know, work ethic and, and all the things that it takes to make it. Uh, but, but he was, he was sort of the, he was the mold for, for a lot of uh, the stars we're saying today, Giannis and Tendekumpo. Uh Really, you can trace it a, a lot of it right back to the dream. Yeah. I, I never realized, you know, I, I, maybe I just forgot or wasn't paying attention back when he was coming up I and mean, they, they told his story, you know, coming from the, you know, the African country came from picking up a basketball for the first time at like 15 or 16, whatever mm-hmm. it was, and becoming such a you know, stud uh, and growing into a body late too. I think he, he had a late right. maturity growth, but I never realized until reading what you had in there, the work that the man put in, uh, you know, with both with Malone and practicing his footwork, even when he was an NBA veteran, just constantly honing his craft and really made him uh, the great player that he was. 
yeah, he was one of those obsessive guys, you know, about, about his craft and, and being the best of what he what he did. And I remember, you know, well after retirement, those videos would come out where in the summers players would go and train with him, and they'd go to kind of Hakeem camp, and he'd go do one on one training with uh, uh, LeBron and Kobe, Dwight Howard uh, in, in his prime. Uh, so it's always cool to see. Um, yes, yeah, it's cool to see these legends kind of continue to impact the game even after they were after their uh, their playing days are over. Yeah, I think you even reference it. You know what Malone did for him when he was a youngster. He he was sort of paying it forward by, right, by doing exactly. these guys. And and then when you drop the names, you know LeBron and Dwight Howard and Kobe, I'm like, oh my god, you you know these are the the superstars of you know the next generation from doing that. So that that was a uh, that was great stuff too. I, I really like that. You know, I, I also really loved uh, reliving the those Lakers Celtics uh, things. You know, like I said, I had I had no no dog in a fight watching those and actually you know, those two, I dislike yeah. both of those franchises but <laughs> just they were just so great and they didn't like each other and they had such superstars on it they were fun to watch and you have i believe uh three different uh, series all, all three nba finals in the 80s that you cover pretty extensively on there You're... yeah what's what's interesting is there's um what's interesting is that there's uh you know lakers versus celtics this this rivalry it appears uh, all throughout the book you know the book runs chronologically and so there's all these different iterations of Lakers Celtics and somehow these two teams kept playing kept meeting each other in the finals and kept kind of running into each other with with the uh, with history on the line uh you know it begins with the, those kind of Jerry West Elgin Baylor teams against the the Russells his Celtics dynasty where Boston won every time virtually uh and then and then from there I mean yeah uh, we were talking about Magic and Larry and the fact that those two players not only were they great, but they met in the finals. I think that's really significant. Um, yeah. Hold on one second. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Some uh, some weird pop sound just happened here. Okay. I'm gonna continue from where I was where I was just talking. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and when you have Magic and Larry meeting in the finals, uh, it it really brought the game to to a whole another level. Like like uh, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, and when you keep facing a team year after year after year, I mean that's how you build a rivalry. And what's neat was they were able to. Even though the Celtics dominated at first, uh, the Lakers eventually were able to get their revenge, and 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 that rivalry was balanced out a little bit more. And then when you fast forward, I mean, with the Kevin Garnett Celtics and Kobe's Lakers, I mean, that rivalry was renewed, and they faced each other uh, a couple more times. And it's uh, it's just always it's always um wild for me to see the same teams keep reappearing generations later, and and just to think of the number of you know you mentioned what ifs, like the number of things that have to fall into place in order for history to keep repeating itself in that way. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see it this year, needless to say, or maybe anytime soon. Uh, uh, but who knows what the future has in store? Yeah, the, definitely. Now, you, you just made me remember back, uh, I think it was the rookie year for both Bird and, and Magic. And you're talking about, you know, how Stern and company were building up the promotional thing. And I can remember the advertisements uh, before the game, you know, because it's NFL season, we're watching NFL games. And I think their first meeting and they were promoing a game that was happening like Saturday night or something. And they, I can remember the announcer saying, we can magic pull a bird out of his hat or, you know, something corny <laughs> like that, you know, to do it. And it just, nice. it just resonates. I mean, I can still, still hear that uh, promo, but uh, it got me to watch a game. I probably wouldn't have watched otherwise. Exactly. And that's really honestly like um, on the court, they were incredible. You know, magic, a six, nine point guard who was doing these crazy flashy passes, running the fast break on the Showtime Lakers, you know, in uh, moving at this kind of breakneck speed that the league hadn't seen in a little while. Um, uh, and then, and then Larry Bird, this is kind of like killer, 
Uh, this guy can hit shots from anywhere, talk trash with the best of them, um, kind of could do anything and back it up. It's just really like kind of unique, one of a kind character. Uh, they were they were just amazing to watch, but but as incredible as they were to watch, uh, their significance was even greater off the court. You know, like like you're saying, like they drew you in to watch games, and and and, and I'm sure you're not alone. You know, it's 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 uh, can't be overstated how how different things were after those two came along. Yeah, that definitely for sure. Uh, you know, just uh, um, you know, going back into some of the the dream team uh, players. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. talked about Elijah one a little bit. Uh, you know, talked about Jordan uh, Barkley. Uh, you know, you had uh, you know Clyde Drexler in that era. Um, drawing a blank here now, but you, we had yeah, like Stockton and Malone were on those teams. Sorry, Stockton Malone. Yeah, Stockton yeah. and Malone were were on that team. I mean, it was just absolutely stacked uh and 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 that was the point you know uh in, in 88 usa lost or they, they won bronze in the olympics but and it was a huge disappointment and that was when uh there were still amateurs playing the olympics so so the u.s was sending college players and 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 really didn't want to get embarrassed again so also introducing the dream team and and this unstoppable kind of basketball force uh yeah but just that was absolutely star-studded uh you know the we talk about michael jordan and his kind of uh ascension throughout the book. And when I think of the dream team, I still think it's another example of kind of Jordan's dominance. Um, the dynamics within the team itself entering the 92, the entering the summer of 92, it was magic Johnson's league. Magic was still the, the kind of uh, the King uh, and Larry was right there along with him. Although Larry had started to really have uh, back issues. So bird was, was starting to be, he was a lot less effective on the court, uh, but, but still obviously um, a, a huge figure in the league. Uh, and then internally over the course of that Olympic tournament, it actually probably happened earlier. It probably happened in, in training camp or pre- pretty quickly, you know, in the first few practices on that team, uh, it became really clear that, that, you know, Jordan was the man now, like uh, this, the magic and Larry days were amazing for the, for the game, but they're over and there's a new King in town and, and his name is Michael Jordan. And that, that, and in that summer, that team and that tournament is, is when that transfer happened. So, uh, yeah, there's just so much. Uh, there's just so much going on when it comes to the dream team. Uh, when you when you look at it from a historical perspective, that yeah, that chapter was was thrilled, was so much fun to write. Yeah, yeah. One one thing that was really interesting. That another thing that I learned is I didn't realize. I I think the the uh, dream team or the, the college stars that were going to be playing in the bath the Olympics that year, Jordan being one of them, uh, ended up playing some exhibition games against NBA star all star teams, and you have a segment where you know, Jordan's playing uh, against, I think bird and a couple other people that we just talked about. And they really didn't like him because they thought he was showing off and, you know, the, the college stars end up beating the, the, the NBA stars. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think within the, within, as you know, their egos, egos exist. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so maybe it was hard for uh, someone like magic Johnson or even Larry bird to, to admit it. But I think the signs were there really early on when it came to Michael that, you know, this was a different dude. Yeah, I, I just I never remember having a, a hatred of uh, Michael Jordan by anybody. You know, everybody loved him because he was, you know, even even in college, even at North Carolina, and everybody just loved him. And even he was just a a piece of the puzzle there. He wasn't, you know, in Dean Smith's you know, offense like you uh, describe. He was just right. a, a, one of the team player. It was all team, and he never really got to have his star shine like it probably could have as a collegian uh and uh but i i never realized that the the nba players sort of had an animosity and a little jealousy rivalry with him right out of the gate uh before he even played a game in the nba 
Yeah, he definitely he definitely arrived with a with a ton of uh, confidence in himself, <laughs> and you know how that is. I can rub people the wrong way. Yeah, most definitely. And I think uh, later on you allude to uh, when he's playing in the NBA season. I think one of his first playoff runs with the Bulls. Uh, you know, he ends up taking. You know, somebody gives him a shot. I think. Uh, you had bird pushing him or something like that. And he gets, you know, PO'd a little bit and just goes off on him for like 60 some points. And it didn't take much. Like the thing with Michael Jordan famously is, is, uh, is that, you know, he actively sought motivation and, and, and reasons to kind of like take his game to another level. And, and these, and, and, you know, sometimes it got incredibly petty. Um, uh, and, and that was what drove his greatness, you know, and, and it makes him like really in, in all honesty, like, uh, in in a, in a lot of ways, a, an unlikable character, you know, um, you know, he's uh, almost like a degenerate winner. <laughs> like you just like by any by any means necessary. Um, uh, yeah. Trying to find find rivalries where they maybe didn't exist and just doing whatever it took to kind of drive himself to push himself um, and, and win at all costs. So, you know, he was not regarded as like a great teammate uh, in terms of like the way he treated uh, those around him and, and, and whatnot. Uh, but you have to respect what he did on the court. You have to respect how uh, how successful he was and how how he went about the game and just how awe inspiring his his game was. I mean, um, you know, there's so many great players in the league. But I still don't think we've really seen anyone like him since. No, I, I I agree. You know, we've come close, you know, with the Kobe's and LeBrons, but uh, there's just something special about Michael. He just uh, he could turn it on and off whenever he, he wanted to, and mostly on. But, uh... Yeah, I never really, I never really fully understood like uh, the, you know, I was really covering the NBA a lot when there's a day to day when there's a ton of LeBron versus MJ, who's the greatest debates, and this is not a detraction on LeBron James whatsoever. But I never understood what the debate was. I never understood why, you know, how that conversation was. Besides statistics, like uh, I didn't understand where the where the debate was there. Yeah, you know, I almost think you know I'm I'm not too far away from Cleveland, and uh, you know, of course, when LeBron first came out and was with the Cavaliers, it was you know in our local paper, hundred miles away, it was LeBron Watch. They had a segment in a newspaper in our paper, hundred miles away, and I think that sort of that whole thing with him leaving Cleveland the first time sort of tainted his his legacy a bit you know it even didn't help player it just didn't he didn't have the same magic that uh you know a guy like magic or yeah. or, or michael jordan had and uh i think i took some luster off the diamond a little bit that is interesting and you know you wonder how um not to go uh, off the trails but you wonder how much you know today's uh, the player empowerment era as as we call it you know what kind of effect that will have on the way these guys are remembered historically um, cause it is somewhat, uh, you know, it's understandable, but it's like not quite as endearing when, when Kevin Durant goes from team to team to team in search of a title. I mean, obviously there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something, uh, more, uh, rewarding in a sense when you, when you have these old, these older players who just were on one team uh, for the most part in their careers, which right, we might yeah. not see that for a long time. I don't know. It might, might not. You know, I, I don't remember Michael Jordan wearing the Washington uniforms. I, you know, I, I, I picture the bulls across his chest, you know, that's, that's the right, 23. Exactly. So that definitely iconic. Now, you know, one thing I thought found great is your honesty in the book where, okay, we've talked about all these high points and these great legends and their, their, you know, championships and great uh, accolades, but you also talk about some of the, the low points in NBA history. Uh, you know, the Len bias story, you know, what a, a sad and tragic story that was. 
uh, you know, you talk about people like the career of Sam Bowie and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of his trajectory, how his career got off to a, a bad start. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the honesty and, you know, the candidness of, cause that's part of the history of the game and it, it really flowed well with your whole story. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, a. I don't work PR for the, for the league. And, and the goal of this book isn't, isn't to, uh, you know, uh, show, you know, how, how amazing the NBA is. I, you know, I, I, I love the sport and I think the, the game is incredible and the league has, has done some amazing things, but there have been lows and, and we're talking about uh, documenting the history of, of this league and what it's meant to, uh, to sports and to kind of culture, uh, uh, on a whole. And so, you know, it would be uh, almost like irresponsible to ignore those things. Plus we're plus like my main focus is just, uh interesting stories and compelling storytelling and uh in, in in a lot of cases like the more interesting stories are the ones that are are don't have a happy ending uh, and there's and yeah you know you mentioned uh, a handful of them in the book and i think it's important to share those yeah de definitely and I'm, I'm glad you did uh because they are definitely part of that story now dave uh why don't we uh, take this time let's uh, give the title of your book and where folks can find it to, to buy a copy of it Sure. Yeah. It's called NBA 75, the definitive history. Uh, if you search NBA 75, a bunch of stuff will come up because that was the name of the NBA's campaign. But mm. uh, one of them will be this book. So you just search it out. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, that's probably the best best uh, route to go, although it's in a ton of brick and mortar uh, bookstores around uh, around the country as well, if you still go to those. Yeah, definitely. And, and folks, if you're driving or at the gym and don't have a pen and paper, we will have a link to, to Dave Zaram's book, uh, NBA 75, in the show notes of this podcast and on jerseydispatch.com for the accompanying uh, blog post that we'll put on that as well. So Dave, uh, do you, would you have any social media or anything you'd like to, to share with us? Uh, I'm not a huge social media guy. If you follow okay. me, I'm on, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dave Zaram, Z-A-R-U-M. Uh, uh, you'll mostly just see me uh, promoting the book and sharing uh, pictures of people uh, who are promoting the book and whatnot. So <laughs> not the most compelling <laughs> follow, but uh, the best thing you can do is check out the book itself. Uh, I'm really proud of how, how it turned out. And, and I really appreciate you having me on. This has been great. Always happy to chat uh, hoops history. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very thankful you were able to come on and I thank you for, for sharing this book with us and uh, you know, sharing your stories that you have in it and spending the time today to talk about it. So Dave Zerum, uh, NBA 75, you know, copy of this book. We'll have the links on there. Uh, thank you for sharing with us today and coming on the podcast. Anytime. We're dribbling around and see the shot clock's almost out. So we got to put up our shot and come back tomorrow for some more great sports history. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.